KXNO's Thirsty Thursday continues now with the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show. We're now proudly presented by our friends at the Iowa State University Foundation. Right now, Iowa State students and faculty are giving their best to make our state and world a safer and healthier place. Your gift to Iowa State can move what matters, from opening doors to a great education and sharing Iowa State's best with the world. Make a gift at movewhatmatters.com. Now, for the latest on all things Cyclones, Here's your host, Cyclone Fanatics, Jared Stansberry. Yo, it's another Cyclone Fanatic radio show here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 FM KXNO. And Jared Stansberry uh, joined on this week's program by Scott Christofferson. Before we talk to Scott, of course, got to tell you about our friends at the Iowa State University Foundation, the presenting sponsors of the Cyclone Fanatic radio show each and every week. And we'll be going, uh, telling you more about them as we go along here in the program. Uh, Scott, thanks for joining us tonight, my man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're not, uh, not going to have a second episode of corner three this week since you're, uh, you're going to be traveling here over the, uh, on Friday, but, um, wanted to make sure and get something. So we're going to do a little bit of a, a longer thing than what we would normally do on, on corner three, obviously touch on a lot of the same kind of stuff. So we'll start with Iowa state's loss to Kansas on uh, Tuesday night at Hilton Coliseum. Man, a, a tough one uh, because I think everybody knew how big of a game this was. Obviously, the atmosphere was fantastic at Hilton Coliseum, and you lost by one point to them uh, the first time around down in uh, down in Lawrence. But you know, I think it was especially frustrating for people when you consider the fact that Kansas didn't have Remy Martin or Ochai Ogbaji, and to still lose in the fashion that that the Cyclones did. I mean, that was a that was a tough one. That was probably a bottom two or three performance of the year. I would say for, for Iowa state. Yeah. Two a big 12 home games in a row. Now that the Cyclones have really played some of their poor games of the year and, and games, I think coming in, everybody had high hopes for, you know, kind of grinding out some of these coveted big 12 wins that are hard to come by and, and to come out and, you know, I don't, I don't know if lay an egg is too strong of a way of putting it, but they didn't play well in either game on either end of the floor. And, you know, yeah, I mean, they, that was an opportunity they had to make a statement win and, and really kind of get ahead in, in big 12 play against Kansas. And, and they just got outplayed on both ends of the floor. I think it's especially tough when you look at the fact that you forced 22 turnovers, 16 turnovers in the first half of the game. And it still never really felt like you were in position to take control of the basketball game. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of freaking turnovers, dude. I don't know how many turnovers Kansas had in the, or, you know, I know they had 16 turnovers in the first half. I don't know how many possessions they had, Yeah, but goodness, dude, like that's probably close to half their possessions in the first half. You're forcing a turnover and you can't, I mean, you're, I don't think Iowa state ever even led in the game. No. And, and they have, they had 30 at halftime, you know, yeah. which again, that, you know, that's you're on pace for a 60 point game at home. You should win those, you know, but we get 24 points in the first half. And uh, I almost get tired of talking about our offense because I feel like we've beat that horse so many times this year, and, but it really is what's holding this team back. I mean, I talked a little bit in a video I did yesterday on Twitter about rebounding and defense and, you know, I think someone correctly pointed out that, you know, the rebounding probably wasn't as big of a factor as, as I originally thought, just looking at the numbers. I mean, when you look at it, we shot almost 12 more shots than they did. 
We turned them over 22 times and we got handily beat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just as much as I don't want to talk about the offense, cause I feel like it's all we've been talking about. It, it really is what's holding this team back. I mean, they're, they're playing, they play really hard on, on both ends of the floor. I, I don't question their effort. I don't really see too many people questioning their effort, but they spoil a lot of their hard work with just really poor offensive play. It's poor offensive decision-making it's untimely turnovers, carelessness. It's, it's a lack of attacking with their key players, you know, put pressing the rim and, and trying to make the game a little bit easier for themselves and everybody else. They just, it's what's holding this team back. Yeah. And I, you know, I think you look at it and, you know, force 22 turnovers, you get only 12 fast break points and 16 points off of turnovers. Mm-hmm. Like that's just, that's not good enough when, when you force that many turnovers and, you know, credit to Kansas, I guess, if they were going to turn it over, they did it in situations that weren't live ball. You know, mm-hmm. it's, you would prefer to not throw the ball to no one, but I guess if you're going to throw the ball to no one, at least it goes out of bounds and then you can go set your defense, you know? Right. And the difference is that on the other end, you know, Iowa state, when they turned it over, you know, Kansas ends up with Iowa state had basically half as many turnovers as Kansas did. And they got nearly as many points off turnovers because of how many of them were, uh, were live ball situations. And that's what I think is. So it is what gets really annoying about watching this team Mm -hmm. is that the decisions that they make that lead to those detrimental plays, you know, the, and it's, it's not being strong with the basketball where you're putting it up, you know, holding it up, maybe like by your face, you got to get it up under your chin. And then all of a sudden someone comes in behind you and, and can tap it out, you know, or, uh, you get into a situation where you're just throwing the ball to nobody and you throw a lazy pass and, you know, a one-handed pass or something like that. And then all of a sudden they're going the other way for an easy layup. And those things seem to pop up you know, in a game like this, it's like, you can, you know, you get down, I think they were down 24, 22, you've got the ball, you've got a chance to either tie it or take the lead. And then you turn it over and all of a sudden you're right back down 11. I want to say it was in, in what seemed like an instant. And that that's what holds this team back is that they can't string together good offensive and defensive possessions well enough to dig out of those holes, you know, and, and that's something I asked TJ about after the game was how frustrating from his perspective it is when you can hold Kansas scoreless for five minutes on the other end, but you don't cut into the deficit at all because you can't score either. And that's, that's what is tough, you know, and it, it stinks because they're doing the right stuff on the defensive end and they're doing what they need to do to be able to get stops, but you just can't take advantage of it. And, like, I, I don't know what at this point, what the answer to that is. I think that some of it's just, you're kind of limited with what the roster is. And, you know, like, I don't think all of a sudden these guys are going to be a top 10 offense. I, I, that would be unrealistic to think, but just, I mean, if they could have taken advantage of half of those opportunities, the game would probably be different because you're not trying to constantly battle uphill and, and dig yourself out of a hole. Well, and I think what's equally frustrating for fans and as a coach is, I mean, these are the same mistakes we were making in the second and third game of the season. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking about like a new development of mistakes. I mean, it's there. They've had, you know, five minute stretches, 10 minute stretches or a half where they've played well and they cut down on these silly mistakes or they've had, you know, like I thought the Texas game was probably their best performance of the year across the roster, but 
way too often we're, we're making the same mistakes over and over and over again. And, you know, our defense is good, but we're not going to hold teams to 40. Mm-hmm. And this team is not a good shooting team. No, you can still win games without being a, a good three point shooting team, but not if you're not a smart offensive basketball team, a self-aware offensive basketball team. And they just, we kind of continue to see the same trend over and over and over again on the offensive end of the floor for too long a periods of games. And you're not going to beat Kansas playing that way. But I would also say, I know the schedule gets a little bit easier in these next nine games, as easy as it can be in the big 12. They're not going to beat any of these teams playing that way either. This team is not good enough to just roll the ball out and go play offense. They have a very specific recipe that they have to use night in and night out. And if they're not willing to use that specific recipe and it led with uh, Isaiah and Tyrese pushing the ball into the paint, they're not going to win. They're not going to win enough games. It, sure. Isaiah can bail them out, you know, maybe another game or two with a, you know, 30 point performance hitting, you know, incredible mid range jumper after mid range jumper. But I think they probably need to win at least four, but probably five more games to get to the tournament. And that is not happening with the, who they have to yet to play. If they continue to play offense the way that they are. Yeah. And I, I think you saw too, the impact of what having a good rim protector uh, can be for Iowa state offensively or going against a good rim protector can be when you're playing offense. I mean, you can just see that when Isaiah catches the ball and this in it, you know, it's hard for me to put anything on Isaiah because the Iowa state wouldn't even be in this position right no, now. Absolutely if it was not. not for that kid, but you can see now where, when he catches the ball, it does not seem like he's even looking to try and get downhill. You know, he's not trying to attack the rim. And when he does try to attack the rim, it's almost like he's not trying to, I mean, I know he is trying to finish there, but he's not attacking it with the same ferocity that it seemed like he did early on in the season. And I'm sure, and again, I think some of that comes back to the fact David McCormick's a really good rim protector for Kansas. Like that, that guy is a really good shot blocker. I'm not going to question that. You know, I, I don't know that I've ever seen someone who has is better at the late shot block than him. Like Mm -hmm. where every time he blocks a shot, it borders on being a goaltend because he's just like his timing is that good, you know, where he knows what that window of when he can jump up and knock that ball away is, but you've got to be playing downhill. You can't, I don't, I'm not saying that Isaiah is scared to play downhill, but it's just, you can't be so married to the idea of shooting jump shots and shooting the mid range that then it hurts what you're trying to do because you're not looking to play downhill when what, opens things up for other people is playing downhill. You know, I love Caleb girl. Caleb girl can't create his own shot. I love Gabe Kalsher. We've seen it time and time again. Gabe Kalsher is not creating his own shot, you know, not shooting a high percentage on the shots he's creating. No, no, no. And that, and that's what I mean. Like for them to operate at an efficient level, like you can't have those guys with the ball in their hands and say, Hey, go make something happen. My man, you know, like it's gotta be where those guys, and it's a lot of pressure to put on two people, but you know, Tyrese and Isaiah, 
That's that's what you signed up for. This is the hand we have. They, yeah. they're, they're, there's no reinforcements. Trey King isn't coming in no, this the, season. There's, there's no, no reinforcements. <laughs> we don't get to make a trade. You know, this is right. it's not the trade deadline like it is in the NBA. There's no free agency. Nobody's getting and, waived next week. And if you, you know? ha- and and I know you and I were texting. You know, if you had a a George or a Monte or somebody like that. Would Isaiah have to, would, could he play more in the mid range and just kind of live in that zone? Sure. Because then you've got somebody else that can do those things, but him and Tyrese are those guys. It's a lot to put on Tyrese at, at such a young age, but if you want to win enough to get to the tournament, and I think this team still has a very good chance to do that. Those two guys are going to have to embrace that. And sometimes this is the tough part about that. There's going to be a night if you play this way where Isaiah is going to go four for 16 or Tyrese is going to go three for 14 with three charges. And guess what? That is still our best chance to create open shots that Caleb can make or Gabe can make or get Rob Jones and George some finishes at the rim. That's still our best chance to do that. And on a, in an ideal set of circumstances, if you're not feeling it or you're struggling a little bit, you'd have a couple more options that can kind of step in and be that playmaker. This team just doesn't have that. So they have to just continue to push forward and push on and play through the, the groans of the crowd or, you know, TJ maybe getting on them a little bit and just stay ultra aggressive, putting your head on the rim. And then, yeah, when we need a bucket late or we're, we're there other teams on a run and we need a bucket get to your mid range. Like I'm not saying don't shoot your mid range game. Cause he's clearly got, I think probably the best mid range game in the country, mm-hmm. but if you're going to shoot 28 times, which to be honest with you, I don't have a problem with Isaiah shooting 28 times. The problem I have is that I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm guessing around 20 of those were mid range jump shots, right? We need 15, 16 of those to be inside of 10, 12 feet and then go shoot 28 times. And I could care less how many you make, because that's how this team has to play to win on offense. Yeah, it just is. They're the, the the equal opportunity offense is great. If you've got five guys that have an equal opportunity of making plays and reading defenses as scoring, that's just not how this roster is built right now today. Right, and that you know, I I do still kind of think that twenty eight shots is a lot of shots, man. And like I know you got to rely on one person. That's a lot of freaking shots, dude. Like I I pulled it. You know I. I went through the this college basketball reference, did the play index, all that stuff. There's only been eight games all in all of college basketball. There's 353 college mm-hmm. basketball teams in the country, and there's been eight games where someone has taken 28 more, 28 or more shots this season. And those teams are two and six in those games when they've had somebody take. So it's like it is very, very rare when someone takes that many shots and you're going to win. But I'm right. Like I, I agree with you. I get. Like I understand your sentiment, and it just it just, it's tough, man. Like it's really tough when everything has to revolve through that one person. And that's where like, you have to have Tyrese, like he has to step up, you know? And that, and it's just, and I'm sure that's what the conversations have been like, Hey man, when the shots for Isaiah aren't falling, you don't have any choice to go away. Like you have to be the guy, you know, that's, you can't, and that's the only option. Yeah. That's the only option. and, And to your point about him shooting 28 shots, if he's putting his head down and, and, and really pushing, turning the corner, my guess is David McCormick probably gets stops him from attempting 28 shots. But now Caleb gets two extra open threes and George gets a couple of looks at the rim and that sort of a thing. So I guess my point is if you get 28 looks because you're driving it and they're just not stopping you with their help, like by all means shoot right. 38 times, if that's what they're going to do. Right. 
But yeah, I mean, Kansas and every team in the league is going to say, Hey, we're not letting him get all the way to the cup. And that's where his shot number probably comes down to 15 or 16. And the other guys get more quality looks shots that we've seen them shoot a better percentage of this year, like a Gabe, like a Caleb. And at the same time, if you're attacking like that, you know, David McCormick played 30 something minutes had zero fouls, right? How many times do you think that David McCormick has played that many minutes in his David McCormick's been at Kansas for three years? I think I'm willing to bet that the number of times that he's played that many minutes and not had a single foul can be counted on one hand. Right. He's been at four. He's been at Kansas for four years. And that was the, that was the second game, third game all year that David McCormick has not had a foul out of, out of 20 something games like that. What, what, what did we shoot? Seven free throws. Yeah. Uh, six. We were four or six from the free throw line. We shot 22 threes. I don't know how many times you and I have come on here and talked about we're four for 20 something or five for 20 yeah. something. Uh, yeah. I mean, and David McCormick, their rim protector doesn't have a foul in the entire game. So there, when you talk about an offensive approach and a mentality and a team that wants to, you know, get downhill and be physical, that's about as finesse of a, st- of a statistical analysis of offensive basketball as you can possibly have. It's, you know, to be honest with you, this team has been as tough as nails on defense, but on offense, that's soft. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you, man. I'm right there with you. All right. We got to take a quick break, but we'll be right back here on the Cyclone Fanatic radio show presented by the Iowa State University Foundation on a morning sports station, 106.3 FM KXNO. Hi, Cyclone fans. This is Dr. Brian Warmy, orthopedic sports medicine surgeon at McFarland Clinic. I really enjoy working with athletes of all ages, including the football team here in town. My colleague, Dr. Greenwald, and I provide specialized orthopedic care to patients of all ages, including sports injury evaluation, treatment, arthroscopic surgery, stem cells, and other biologics. Come see me in Ames for your sports injury needs, and don't let your injury keep you out of your game. Learn more at McFarland's sportsmedicine.com. Go Cyclones. Many people are still working remotely, but a lot are gradually returning to their office, and that workplace has changed forever. Fortunately, dressing well for work has not. Mr. B and Clive has a great variety of different clothing options depending on your personal situation. Whether it's a traditional suit and tie or a casual pant and golf shirt for a Zoom call, we have what you need. Come see for yourself at Mr. B Clothing on 86th Street in Clive. My life gets crazy with my twins and a husband who works 80 hours a day, I mean a week, and I decided to start my own business on top of it, which is insanely crazy. But thanks to the Iowa Clinic, it was easy to see my doctor. And when I get there, she listens to me. So I feel like I have a partner. And before I know it, I can get back to my crazy, busy, insanely busy life where I have a busy business, busy husband, busy twins. Oh no, where's the other one? Oh, I'm holding her. Anyway, with same-day appointments and online scheduling, the Iowa Clinic is care how you want it. Visit iowaclinic.com. Hey y'all, Brent Bloom here. Let me tell you about my friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive. They have a giant new store that they opened up about a year and a half ago. They're in West Clive, right near the Waukee border, my old stomping grounds. And they can help you out with any of your needs. In fact, with a larger warehouse now, a larger selection, they have many items right there at the store. In fact, my mom just needed some new appliances recently. It was an easy call to make. Told her to call Tim Mullen and the guys and gals over at Nebraska Furniture Mart in Clive. And always ask for the price match. They'll help you out. There's something competing out there. Check out our Cyclone Fanatic friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart in Clive. Hey, Cyclone fans, it's Chris Williams. 
You've heard our friends from the Iowa pork producers. They've been coming on here for the last couple of years. I've been telling you guys about them. I've had the great opportunity to meet so many of our state's great pork producers over the last couple of years, and I've learned so much. One thing specifically, I didn't really know this before. I guess I probably should have, but these pigs are raised in environmentally controlled barns. That helps farmers care for the pigs. They protect the pigs from extreme temperatures, predators, you know, all that stuff. It is so high-tech, some of the stuff that our great pork producers are doing, and they're doing it all to feed our world. And, and, don't forget about this, so you can have some of that delicious Iowa pork at your tailgates coming up this fall. From everyone at Cyclone Fanatic, I'm Chris Williams saying thank you to our state's great pork producers. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network is now fueled by the Mississippi River Distilling Company. It is located in Leclerc, Iowa and owned by Cyclones. In fact, one of them even used to be Cy. People ask us all the time, how can they help out at Cyclone Fanatic? Well, here's a way. You can pick up a delicious bottle of Cody Road bourbon or the very popular Iowa's Cream Liqueur. Cyclone Fanatic is proud to be fueled by Cody Road. So cheers to our friends at the Mississippi River Distilling Company and go Cyclones. Welcome back into the Cyclone Fanatic radio show presented by the Iowa State University Foundation here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 FM KXNO. Jared Stansbury, Scott Christofferson talking some Iowa State basketball. Um, all right, we talked a lot about the, the loss to Kansas, uh, but I – I do think that there's just some things that, you know, we hear from the fans. You've obviously gotten a lot of tweets. I get a lot of stuff from people on Twitter, see stuff on the forums and things like that. Um, man, let's talk about Tristan and Aruna real quick, uh, because I think that this is one of the biggest talking points right now, especially, you know, after Tuesday night's game, he only played eight minutes uh, on Tuesday night against his, his former team. You know, this is a tough one because I think, I think fans see Tristan's potential. We see Tristan's potential and you see a guy who could pretty clearly probably help you on the offensive end. Um, But it's tough because, you know, we know what the culture is that TJ is trying to build. We know what they're trying to build this team around. And that's the only explanation that I can come up Mm -hmm. with for why Tristan is not seeing the floor more, you know, and it's not that I'm saying Tristan is a bad defender or anything like that, but you need to have all five guys, especially in the way that Iowa state wants to defend all five guys have to be locked in all of the time. You know, you can't have guys who are just like floating around and are consistently screwing up their assignments, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, especially when you're as, uh, limited offensively is what Iowa state is. And, and, you know, I think if you go back and watch the first five minutes of the game, which is probably the longest stretch that Tristan played in the entire game, you see it, you know, if you sit and you watch 23 and I hate to, you know, I hate to like call kids out or anything like that, but it's like, if you sit and you watch 23, you can tell that there are more times where he does not quite know where he needs to be, or he's messing up his positioning, or he's not getting a rebound when it's hitting him in the hands or things like that. Those are the things that if you're TJ Otzberger and you're on the sidelines and you're deciding who am I going to put in the game and you see that early in the game, it's like, okay, he's not locked in jazz. It's your time, you know, and that's unfortunate, you know, and it stinks, but man, this is college basketball. It's division one college basketball at the power five level. And it's like, 
if you're not locked in at the beginning of this game uh, against the best team in the league, the biggest rival that I think Iowa state has in basketball and the school you, you transferred from, right. The school you transferred from, if you're not locked in now, why would I trust you to be locked in in 10 minutes or in 15 or, you know, in the second half or anything like that. So, you know, I think that's what it comes back to. I know it's frustrating to fans, but I sent you a clip that was from early in the game uh, where, you know, you can see where Jalen Wilson's got the ball on the corner or on the side. Tristan's trying to keep him from getting in the middle, which is exactly what he's supposed to do, but he plays way too high to the middle. You leave a wide open driving lane to the basket. Tyrese has to overhelp. It leaves Isaiah with two shooters on one side. And then the, one of the best shooters, the best shooter that Kansas had in the game and Christian Brown is left wide open for a three pointer. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're watching that on just live, it's like, man, where's the guy who's supposed to be guarding that guy? How do you lose that shooter? But yep. then you watch it again and you see it and you see what happened that led to that. And you're like, Oh, okay. That makes more sense that I, to boil it down. That's why I think to answer questions that I've gotten over and over and over again, the last several weeks, that's why Tristan and Aruna doesn't play more. Well, and I, yeah, I mean, I think the fans see some of the games where Tristan's had 20 points or a double, double, you know, the Baylor game comes to mind. He had a couple early this year. And I mean, when he's locked in and he's, in the flow of the game and, and his, you know, he's confident, he's active, he's being aggressive. He's the most talented big player we have. Mm-hmm. And on a team that's struggling offensively, man, it'd be nice to have another guy out there that can, you know, create a little bit. And so I see what the fans see and I get their frustration, but if I'm TJ on the coaching side of it, I agree with all the points you just made and the clip that you sent me earlier, I think was a perfect example, but if I'm coaching him in the first five minutes of the game, you can kind of tell if Tristan's going to have a good game or not. And this has been true in non-conference play when he was playing more. If he comes out, gets a couple of baskets, gets a rebound or two early. All right. I can probably play him 20, 25 minutes tonight. Cause he's locked in, but I haven't, I can't think of a game this year where Tristan has come out and poor, performed poorly in the first five minutes and recovered to come back later in the game and, and be impactful. So you know, as a coach, you want to know, like I, I, when I'm putting guys out there, I know what I'm getting and I can trust them. And I just think because Tristan has been either looking like a second team, all league player, or he looks like a guy that wouldn't crack a rotation in any other team in this league. That's just a really tough spot to be in. And I, I, I mean, I think he's probably a little bit in TJ's doghouse right now. I don't think TJ is going to just ice him out of the rotation, but my guess is we'll see on Saturday, Tristan's going to have four or five minutes to show TJ if he's locked in or not. And if he's not locked in, it's probably going to be another eight, 10 minute game for him. Unless guys are just in so much foul trouble that he's got to play him. I can't, t- I can't blame TJ for, you know, having that approach to it because I kind of see the same thing. So I, I get both sides of it. That's, that's kind of my take on it. Yeah. And I, I do def- I'm right there with you. I see both sides of it. Because I do think, especially in a game like they were in the other night, I mean, David McCormick was kicking, kicking there, you know, what's, you know, yeah. like he owned the game uh, in the middle, 14 rebounds, 14 points. He didn't miss a shot, which I will say too, the shots they made him take later in the game, the 15, 17 foot jumpers more often than not, man, I probably live with that. You know, yeah. if it's going to be your, if it's going to be David McCormick shooting from 17 feet away, like, and he's just, he had gonna, a night. yeah, he had he's going to splash that thing, man. Tip your cap to him. All right. All right. Big fella. Like I, I respect it, you know, but 
when you, it, it comes down to like the issue I have with, with what Iowa state's got going right now in their front court is that the matchups in that position have been so glaringly at times swung the other way, you know, to swung to the other team, like right now or the other night, Kansas so clearly won the middle that it like, mm -hmm. I don't know that anything else mattered, you know, they have to figure out a way to just keep that a wash if they can. And that's where I, like, you know, I texted you and I was like, man, I think I would try and play small right now and space them out, make David McCormick get, make his big butt, get out of there, you know, make him leave the paint, like make them pull him away from the basket, put Tristan yeah. out there, put jazz out there and play four guards or play with, you know, three guards. And then you've got jazz and Tristan out there together. You've got guys who can shoot. And it's like, we're going to just drive you, you know, and we're going to just try and create like that. Like that's, but at the same time, you know, I think that's probably the best way that it, in that kind of game, you're going to get a wash. And I, I love George and Bob Jones, but man, like they just cannot match up one-to-one -one with that guy. You know, like they can't, they can't keep that battle a wash because you can't throw them the ball and feel like they're a threat offensively. If I'm the other team, any play that ends in one of those guys catching the ball in the post is a win in my mind. And that's unfortunate, but, and it's just like, that's just how the roster's built and you just got to work through it and try and figure out a way to make it work. Yeah. And I, and I, I definitely think going small is an option, Yeah, but if we're going to go small, then we have to take advantage of the mismatch. Cause like we have a mismatch on the, when we're defending, it's going to be an uphill battle on the boards. We're not going to have anybody there to rim protect. Right. So there's some things we're going to give up. Okay. But then offensively, we've got to gain something. And when we come out and play, you know, Hey, we're going to shoot 20 some threes and we're not going to attack the paint. It kind of takes the advantage out of playing small out. You know, you, we don't have anybody that's going to, you know, when they, we, if we pull the big guy out, are we going to drive it? And so I don't disagree that it's not a bad idea to try some different things, especially in a game like the other night where we just, we couldn't get anything going offensively. But I, I also think that, you know, it's not just as simple as putting Tristan in and playing him more Then they've got to do something with it. If we want to play small, then all five guys have got to recognize, all right, well, what are we, why are we playing small? What are we trying to accomplish? We got to be stubborn about accomplishing it mm -hmm. and getting the types of looks that we want to get so that, you know, we can justify playing that way. I mean, it's hard to justify playing small if we're only going to score 50 or 55, right? Because then we've got to be dynamite on defense and on the board. So I, I, I like your, I, I agree with your point about that. It's worth trying, but it's only going to work if the entire team understands what we're trying to accomplish and buys into accomplishing it. And that's where, you know, I give Trey, Trey Jackson some credit. Uh, I mean, you know, like I, not that I haven't been a Trey Jackson fan, you know, or yeah. I've been skeptical at times because I, and I'm skeptical of all those guys that have been in, in the program. Like I love George Condit, but man, like even in the summer, it's like until I had been able to sit and talk with George some, you got to be skeptical. They just went 0 and 18, you know, mm -hmm. like it's hard to not be skeptical. And Trey was just too big a piece of these last two teams that had really, really struggled. And where it's, you just sit there and it's like, man, like I need to see that guy needs to prove to me that he can be part of a winning team before I am going to believe it. You know, mm -hmm. I give Trey, Trey Jackson a lot, uh, a lot of credit because man, the other night he came out and proved it. You know, he came out most underappreciated cyclone on the roster, in my right. opinion. And the guy goes four, six from three. 
he played well enough on the defensive end. He still gets lost sometimes, and that can lead to some easy baskets on back cuts and things like that. But, man, if you're going to come in and go four for six from three, I'll take the other stuff. I'll take it. You know, he had one of the best plus minuses on the team. I hate the st- the plus minus stat, but I think in this situation that you can kind of work with it because it, you know, I thought Trey gave him some really great minutes. If you're going to play a different way, or if you're a guy that's on the bench or a guy that's not getting the minutes you want, that's what you have to do. You have to come in and take advantage of your minutes. Make me play you. You know, that's what I would be saying. If I'm TJ, make me play you. Trey Jackson made TJ play him the other night. Yeah. And I think that he's done a lot of that this year. I think that one of the things I like about Trey Jackson is I know what I'm going to get from him. You know, he he's made shots at a decent clip all year. Now, some games he's gotten two shots, some games he's gotten six or seven, but he shot a, a solid percentage. You know, he would help himself out a little bit on offense and defense. Sometimes if he just, just play within the game, you know what I mean? You don't have to make too much happen. You're in there to handle the ball and initiate offense, but you're also out there to space the floor and just be solid on defense. We don't need the home run play. I think that's where he gets himself in trouble a little bit, but I'll take him making a few of those mistakes because I know what I'm going to get from him on both ends of the floor. He's consistent. He's reliable. Um, and, and, and that to me is why I've been of such a big fan of his. Does he have his, some limitations? You know, he's not ever going to be Tyrese Hunter. And I think as long as he understands that and doesn't try to be Tyrese Hunter, he can still go out there, be a second ball handler on a team that struggles to handle the ball at times and be a guy that spaces the floor as a shooter. And honestly, has shot it as well as anyone on this team. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's good for them to have someone out there who can who is capable of handling the ball a little bit when Tyrese is out there, because as good as Tyrese is, this is the one thing that like, I think this next summer is going to really be important for him is tightening that handle. He gets loose with the ball too often. And that's where, when you see the situations where he's trying to split double teams and things like that, you'll see the ball kind of get away from him. That's what you need to clean up, you know? And again, he's a freshman. He's 18 years old. It's, it would be, it would be stupid on my part to expect uh, Tyrese Hunter to walk into college and be dynamite at that stuff right away, you know, but man, that's why I say that's your checklist. You make your checklist for the next off season. What do I got to get better at? Boom. These things like we need you to be better at dribbling and traffic. We need you to be, to do a better job of just being tight with that handle where you're not going to lose the basketball in situations, you know, because you just can't have that from that position and having a guy like Trey out there who can handle the ball a little bit. I think this is going to be really good once they get Taman Lipsy into the program next year, because this is what I'll, you know, I don't, Taman's not a shooter like Trey is. He can't shoot at that level, but man, that kid is an elite ball handler. Like mm-hmm. I went and watched him play last week. I've watched him play a handful of times now. And every time I've watched him play, that's what I walk away with is it's like, man, that you can tell that that kid puts a ton of time into just handling the basketball, you know? Right. And it, and it jumps off to you when you watch and play, that's what they need. They need, it takes some pressure off Tyrese. It takes some situations where it's like, man, you don't have to do everything, but now we need you to be active off the ball because you can still be a threat in that way. And that's just how you continue to add wrinkles. And it makes it to where you're harder to guard, where you don't, you don't have to have the ball in your hands all the time to be a threat, you know? Right. I agree. No, it's, I think that if Tyrese can take that next step as a ball handler, you know, between this year and next year, I mean, that you're just, cause he's going to get on the court where he wants to go. Once that ball is connected to his hand. Right. Uh, I played with Deontay Garrett. Deontay was the best ball handler I ever played with. I mean, wherever Deontay went, the ball came with him. You know, just, he didn't bobble it. It didn't go off his foot. It just was connected. And, you know, when Tyrese gets that with his speed and quickness and as he matures and grows 
as a player. I mean, it's just going to be a nightmare to keep him out of the paint. Um, but I still think even with that being said that he's still got to push the envelope. And if it goes off his foot a couple of times and so be it, this is the hand we've got and, and go out there and continue to try to make plays. Oh yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not saying we need Tyrese to not be aggressive or anything like right, that. Right. No, know, I know no, it's, just, it's just a, it, it, that's just the continued next step. Um, all right. You've got the last thing before we'll uh, talk about some other stuff in the last segment, you got some questions about whether or not you think you think guys look tired, look like they've got some heavy legs and stuff like that. What, I mean, just what was kind of the sentiment that you were getting from the fans? And then what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I had a few people ask me about that. And then, you know, just, you know, are they practicing? You know, I don't want to say practicing too hard, but is it just, is this starting to mount on itself? And I mean, they play a very taxing style of ball. I mean, I don't, I don't talk to TJ on a weekly basis. I don't know their exact practice plans, but my understanding is they typically will practice somewhere around 90 minutes. So shorter practices. I mean, I played for coaches like coach Mack. I mean, we were two and a half, three hours every day running sprints the whole year. So I don't, I don't think that's what it is. I don't think that's why we've seen this team maybe not perform the way we had hoped these past nine games. Um, Every team has nights where, you know, you're just, it's a long season. I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't nights where they're tired. I just, I don't think it's because of the way they play defense. I don't think it's because of the way they practice. I think that's just, that's why I call it this, this big 12 season is such a grind on everybody. Um, To me, again, I I don't want to understate it and say that it's not a factor at all. I don't think it's what's holding this team back from playing to the level that we would like to see them play though. All right. Uh, in the last segment, we're going to talk uh, about just the big 12 at large. We picked a uh, all big 12 team, each picked uh, first team, all big 12. And then we've got our top five teams in the league at the midway point. We'll do that when we come back on the Cyclone Fanatic radio show presented by the Iowa State University Foundation, the Boyne Sports Station, 106.3 FM, KXNO. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network is now fueled by the Mississippi River Distilling Company. It is located in Leclerc, Iowa and owned by Cyclones. In fact, one of them even used to be Cy. People ask us all the time, how can they help out at Cyclone Fanatic? Well, here's a way. You can pick up a delicious bottle of Cody Road bourbon or the very popular Iowish cream liqueur. Cyclone Fanatic is proud to be fueled by Cody Road. So cheers to our friends at the Mississippi River Distilling Company and go Cyclones. Gershman Mortgage, the Midwest's premier mortgage lender, is proud to be a part of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home, a vacation home, maybe you're going to upgrade or remodel that existing home, you can even refinance your current mortgage. Gershman Mortgage is here to help. With over 60 years in the mortgage industry, we have security, experience, and unmatched service. Visit our Ankeny office. Call 515-964-5952. Visit Gershman.com to get pre-approved today. Gershman Mortgage, NMS. LS number 138063, 1200 Southwest State Street, Suite E, Ankeny, Iowa, 50023, Equal Housing Lender. It's not whether you win or lose, it's whether you serve pork at your tailgating party. Hi, I'm Dave Struthers, and I'm here to remind you that Iowa pig farmers like me work hard year-round so you have safe, wholesome pork for the football season. Whether it's pulled pork sandwiches, ribs, or chops, nothing says tailgating better than pork. This message brought to you by Iowa Pork Producers through the Pork Checkoff. Make your tailgating delicious. Learn more at iowapork.org. 
Cycle Fanatic is proud to partner with the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State University. As many business schools across the country are eliminating full-time MBA programs completely or moving them online, the Ivy College of Business is documenting all-time high enrollment for both the MBA and Master of Finance programs. To learn how a master's degree from the Ivy College of Business can boost your career, visit www.ivybusiness.iastate.edu. That's www.ivybusiness.iastate.edu. Go Cyclones! Many people are still working remotely, but a lot are gradually returning to their office, and that workplace has changed forever. Fortunately, dressing well for work has not. Mr. B and Clive has a great variety of different clothing options depending on your personal situation. Whether it's a traditional suit and tie or a casual pant and golf shirt for a Zoom call, we have what you need. Come see for yourself at Mr. B Clothing on 86th Street in Clive. Hey Cyclone fans, ever wondered how we could use our Cyclone spirit for the greater good? If we each give a little, together we can multiply the power of our gifts to help Iowa State University students when unexpected needs arise. Your gift can make the difference in helping a student finish out the semester or keep an internship experience within reach. To make a gift and to move what matters for Iowa State students, go to isufoundation.com. Hey guys, it's Williams here from Cyclone Fanatic on behalf of my friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clyde. They've been a part of the Cyclone Fanatic radio show here Thursday nights on KXNO for a really long time. We're, we're talking like half a decade now. They're great supporters of what we do, and in return, we like to do the same to them. That's why anytime I need any electronics, anything like that, I call my friend Tim Mullen at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive. Not only do I get the best service in town, but they're Cyclone Fanatic supporters, big time. Give our friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive a call today and tell them Cyclone Fanatic sent you. This is Dr. Thomas Greenwald, board-certified orthopedic sports medicine physician. This is my 30th year taking care of Iowa State athletes, and I am a proud supporter of the Cyclones. As an orthopedic surgeon, I specialize in musculoskeletal care for athletes of all ages, from high school to collegiate athletes to adult weekend warriors. Trust McFarland Orthopedic Sports Medicine and my colleague, Dr. Warmy and I, for excellent sports injury care and rehabilitation. Visit us on the web at McFarlandSportsMedicine.com. Go Cyclones. Welcome back into the Cyclone Fanatic radio show here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 FM KXNO. Presented as always by our friends at the Iowa State University Foundation, Jared Stansbury and Scott Christofferson uh, here on the program. We've talked a ton about Iowa State and Kansas uh, and just all kinds of stuff with Iowa State basketball. Let's do some stuff with the Big 12 at large. Uh, all right, let's do the top five teams in the league here first. Um, let's go in reverse order. Who do you got at number five, Scott? I got the Cyclones at number five right now. Okay. W- why? Why? What, what are the Cyclones? Why are the Cyclones separating themselves from the back of the pack, I suppose? In your well, I, I think that once you get past the top three, mm-hmm. I think the difference between number four and number 10 is v- very, very small, as small yeah. as there is in any conference in the country right now. And I'm going to give them the nod because I was looking at how the teams have fared against top 25 teams. Texas has a better record than them right now in the conference. I thought about putting Texas above them, but they also beat Texas at home. Uh, They've fared better against the top 25 than Texas has. And that's why I went with Iowa state. Um, You know, and obviously I can talk about, I think everybody kind of knows who the top three are. We may argue about who's one and who's two, but so I went Iowa State number five, and I went to TCU number four. And I, I TCU's got a, a good conference record. 
They also beat Iowa State handily on their own court. So that's why I placed them uh, ahead of Iowa State. Okay, so I've got I've got TCU at five, okay. uh, and then I have Texas at four. Um, okay. And I know Texas, you know, obviously did not play very well the other night down, down in Lubbock uh, in the snake pit uh, that they walked into the anti Chris Beard snake pit. Um, but beat TCU uh, in Fort Worth last week by 23 points. Uh, yep. And then, you know, I think that they've been playing some better ball here of won three of their last four after loss, losing two in a row, uh, man, really getting after it on the defensive end. They have, only team that's a lot that's scored more than 52 points against them in the last two weeks is Texas tech. So like that team has really been getting it out, getting after it on defense, getting back to kind of what you would expect to see from them. And then, like I said, I've got TCU at five. I mean, it's just hard for me to put Iowa state above TCU when TCU beat them the way that they did in Ames. Well, and yeah. And I think you're bringing up a, a great point of, you know, okay. So are we talking about, you know, are we the year to date, the who have have the five most impressive resumes, mm-hmm. or are we talking about right now who's playing the best basketball? Because if it's who's playing the best basketball right now, I'm going to go that you are correct over me. That's, yeah. you know, that if we're talking about who's playing the best right now, I don't think Iowa state's one of the top five teams in the big 12. No, if we're talking about resumes, Iowa state's absolutely up there in the top five. Like I, I absolutely will not argue that. I don't know. I guess I didn't give you a very good uh, parameters for what, Oh no, it, no I think it, a lot of times when we have, when you, when people have these conversations, they don't specify, you know, what exactly are the parameters. And so right. we can go and talk both. I mean, it's not yeah. uh, that one is right or one is wrong. It's just, you know, to be fair to your argument, I think if we're talking about who's playing the best ball right now, I think you're right and I'm wrong. Yeah. And I, I mean, TCU's win over LSU the other day, like that was really impressive. And then to be able to go on the road at, to Norman and win, like those are two impressive wins for that team. That's a, I don't think I ever would have thought that TCU was going to be an NCAA tournament team this year, you know, just like I didn't think Iowa State would be a tournament team. And until I got a chance to watch them, I was like, man, this is a really good team. And you know, right. Mike miles is a really good point guard. We're going to talk about him more in here in just a couple minutes. But, uh, I, I think that it, I agree with your point before four through 10, like you can kind of, uh, except for maybe Kansas state. I know Kansas state got a win last night over, uh, over Oklahoma state, but that log jam that's right there in the middle of the league where you've got, uh, what now four, five teams that are three and six. Yep. Uh, four teams that are three and six and then West Virginia is two and six. Like, I think you could pick just about anybody from that group and, and make a case except for maybe West Virginia to this point, just because they're, they've only won the two games. But, uh, I think that, you know, yeah, four, four and five on this list is kind of it. Pick your poison. But yep. then I, I think that the top three is, is pretty set. Uh, I think we're going to disagree on this one. I've got tech at three right now. Okay. I, I have a feeling you're going to have tech higher than me. Who do you, you got Baylor at three. If I, I do I'm got guessing, Baylor at three. Yeah. yeah. I'm say if I take a guess, I'm going to say you got Baylor at three. Yep. Okay. So why do you have Baylor at, at three? I just think that they've cooled off a little bit. Um, and, and I think Texas tech, as we get into to March, I think they're going to be a really tough matchup. The, the way that they play the defense that they play, the way they attack the glass, if they can get, um, Shannon back healthy. I don't know. And that that's a big X factor with them. Cause if he's not healthy, then maybe Baylor is slightly above them right now. But 
you know, Baylor started off the first half of the season, you know, as hot as any team in the country. I know James Akinjo has been battling with some injuries. You know, that's again, another X factor for that team. If he can get back and get fully healthy and playing the way he was earlier, you know, then I think you can make a really solid case that there is, you know, as dangerous as any team in this league, but I mean, we're talking about, you know, these teams are neck and neck with oh, each yeah, other. Razor thin margins. I'm not, yeah. I'm not advocating that one team is just going to beat the other team nine out of 10 times or anything like that. But I would say how I think about it right now, I still, I got Baylor number three, Texas tech number two. And I thought Texas tech was going to win this league, but you know, Bill self just continues to do it again, night in night out wins his coaching matchup team gets the most it can out of what it's got and they just win. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think Kansas is the clear one and it, man, and it, it elevated that team in my mind, you know, coming off of a tough loss against Kentucky where you, I mean, they kind of got punked on mm-hmm. their home floor by Kentucky. Uh, you don't have your best player, the big 12 player of the year right now. in, in Ocha Agbaji, you don't have Remy Martin who might've been the best transfer in the country uh, coming into this year. And he's been in and out of the lineup with his knee thing. Uh, but man, you see the guys that they had step up and this is, you know, I wrote this too. That's what a program, that's the difference between a good team and a program. Like for Kansas to have Joe Yesifu, who has like been completely non-existent for that team after being electric for Drake last year, transfers to Kansas has barely been able to crack the rotation comes in, knocks down a couple three pointers and looked really good for him. Uh, Jalen Coleman, Coleman lands, knocks down some three pointers, you know, Dewan Harris, for some reason is the Iowa state killer. Uh, the dude just is plays his best games against Iowa state, David McCormick to do the things that he does, you know, Mitch Lightfoot has been around that program forever. And for him to do the things he does, like there's a reason that when those, when the chips are down, like you get something out of these guys that you've never gotten before. Like you've never seen, it's like they play their best game of the season when they don't like when they have to, you know, and that's a credit to what Bill self is able to do in the way that he's able to motivate his team. It's like, we need you tonight. You got to come out and do it because otherwise we're not going to win. And then the guys come out and do it, you know, and that's just, that's what's so impressive about him. Everybody that goes to Kansas ends up knowing how to play winning basketball Mm -hmm. and whatever their ability level is, whatever they're good at. Like you can tell they know going into the game when they're put in, like, here's what you're here to do. And they, their, their players just do a great job of being locked in on executing that. I think we saw that the other night with some of those, you know, marquee players out. I mean, if you didn't watch Kansas play all year and you didn't know their best players were out and you just came to watch them play, you'd be like, yeah, they still look like a top 10 team to me. I mean, they, but, but that's, that was Bill self the entire time I was at Iowa state. I mean, every year it was a new, new class of guys that either graduated and or went to the NBA and you're like, all right, next year, can Kansas win the league? And they bring in a new, new slate of guys. And by the end of the season, they're playing winning basketball more often than all the rest of the teams are. And they just, that's how you could churn out big 12 title after big 12 title after big 12 title. Right. I think I, to me, Bill self, I have as much respect for him as a coach and what he's done at Kansas as I do any coach in the country right now. Yeah. And there's a reason that he's a hall of famer. I mean, he's just, he, he is as good as it, as it gets, even if it's really annoying as an Iowa stater. Yeah. No, uh, it's... <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the only bad part. It comes to our detriment more often than not. Uh, all right. Big 12, all big 12 team uh, here on the cycle fanatic radio show presented by the Iowa state university foundation. Um, I mean, the first one, like there's the one obvious one that 
we're, we're both going to have is Ochag Baji. Like the guy mm-hmm. is the big 12 player of the year right now. He's the, he's leads the league in scoring. Uh, I don't know if he's as important to his team as I maybe thought that he was uh, at the end of last week after what they were able to do Tuesday night. But I mean, still, there's no question right now that, that that's the best player in the league. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. And efficient, uh, mature player. It just looks like a lottery pick to me. Yeah. He, he's an NBA player for sure. All right. The second one uh, I've got that I think is a no brainer is Isaiah Brockington. I mean, he's second in the league in scoring second in the league in rebounding. Like I, I don't think you can have a all big 12 first team and not have that guy on there. And that's not even just with us, us with our Iowa state glasses on. No, I, I agree. I, I think there's probably not a player on the list that we considered that's more important to the success of their team than Isaiah. I mean, he, you know, more often than not in big 12 play for this team to have a chance to win games, he's going to have to, you know, he doesn't have to be Superman, but he's got to be pretty darn close to Superman. And um, as disappointing as, you know, the other night was, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that this team is 16 and six. And he is the reason that this team is 16 and six and outperformed a lot of, a lot of the reason people didn't think Iowa state was going to finish better than dead last in the league was because they didn't realize how good Isaiah Brockington was. Yeah, absolutely. All right. This is where I think we can get some, uh, some more discussion. I've got James Akinjo on my team. The guy leads the league in assists. He's one of the better scorers in the league. I think right now, it would be hard to pick anybody else except for another guy I'm going to get to here in a couple of minutes is the best point guard in the league. Uh, like, you know, you mentioned before he's been banged up and that's kind of hurt Baylor here over the last couple of weeks. But I, I think if you're going to do an all big 12 first team, like it's hard to leave someone from the second or third best team off. And he's the best player on that team. And when he's fully healthy, he's in my opinion, in a, a league with a lot of great guards, he's the the best point guard in the league when he's fully healthy. I mean, the, the performance that he put on Iowa state and Ames to start the big 12 season, that was a clinic on how to be a great college guard. Uh, yeah, I I'm with you. I, I, I would still conclude him on the team, you know, for the, for the sake of the league and, and just wanting to see the league perform well, when we get into March, I hope he is able to get fully healthy because I think if he's really healthy, you get into the NCAA tournament and it's all, you know, they always talk about great guards and great point guards in particular. I mean, he's the type of guy that can put a team on his back and, and take them on a deep run. If he's fully healthy. For sure. Uh, you, did you have him on your team then? Yeah. I did. Yeah. Okay. He, was okay. My, he, he would be the third player I'd put on there. Okay. Then I think we've got, I think we might be differing here on these last two then. Uh, all right. I've got Mike miles from TCU again. I think TCU is playing really good ball right now. Mike miles is the best player on that team. Uh, you saw his ability to control a game when they came up here and played a couple yeah. weeks ago. He is a very, very good point guard. He's one of the better scorers in the league. He's a top 10 scorer in the league. He's a top 10 guy in assists. Uh, I think that he's playing as well as, as anybody right now. I mean, if you had to do a tiers of point guards in the league, I think you got one a of a Kinjo and then two number two is Mike miles in my mind. And I, I think you're demonstrating your uh, expertise and experience over me in doing this. Cause I, I had Taz Sherman, but after hearing and considering how good TCU has been and hearing how, you know, and, and kind of yeah. getting a chance to do a quick click on his stats and what he's done for that team, I would probably have to retract Taz Sherman off. Who's been great for West Virginia. They just haven't had the team success. And mm-hmm. I kind of am with you on, I tend to try to reward the guys that are the best players on the best teams so I had Taz Sherman. He's been a great dynamic scorer. He had a big night the other night. All, you know, gave him a chance to, to, to try to pull off an upset. But 
I would say that I'm going to side with you on this one over my, my choice and say that you had the, the, the better choice there. I, I, abs- I do want to say you're absolutely not wrong with that choice. though. he's number two in the league in scoring. He's averaging like right. 18 points a game. So or number two or three in the league in scoring 18 points a game or something like that. Like the kid has been phenomenal, you know? So it's like, even if that's the unfortunate thing about this, even if you make this team, like there's going to be five guys that have to make this team. You're going to leave five players off that probably have a case to be on the first team, you know, that are going to be second teamers. That would be first teamers in a lot of leagues. And I think Taz Sherman is probably in that category. I was going to say, there's going to be a handful of guys that don't make anything that if they went and played in some of these other leagues would probably have a chance to be, you know, third team all league or something like that. Oh yeah. It's a really good league. It's a really deep league and you only get five spots. (laughs) Right. Uh, All right. And then the last one, I think you got to have a big man on the team there. This is not a big man league this year. Not that there's bad big men, but there's just not really a dominant one. I think David McCormick probably could be in the conversation, but he's just been so inconsistent where some nights you'll get something really good from him and some nights you will get nothing from him. So I went with uh, Texas Tech's Bryson Williams. Uh, I mean, again, Tech is too good to not have anybody on that group. And he's the one that I think jumps out the most. He's averaging like 13 points a game. And then he's one of the better rebounders in the league as well. Uh, But I think, like I said, I think David McCormick could be in that conversation. Uh, I think that there's a handful of other guys that you could maybe throw out there, but if I think that Bryson Williams is probably the one that's earned that to this point. Yep. I had him on there as well. And actually that was something when we decided to do this, I was going and just, you know, you're looking through all the stats and kind of looking at everybody's record. And I was surprised at how guard dominant this league is right now with, as far as guys, you know, there's a lot of guards leading the league and or up in the, in the upper echelon of the league and rebounding, Obviously their guards always dominate the assists, but the points too. I mean, I think there was one forward in the top, like 12 or so scorers in the league. Um, So it's a, it's a league with a lot of really, really, really productive and good guards. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you again early next week on a, on corner three. And uh, I take, I thank you for taking the time to, uh, to be on the radio show tonight. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, we'll talk to you then. Absolutely. We'll talk to you guys again next week from 6 to 7 here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 FM, KXNO.